Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Maddie Bolaños in San Francisco. We're finally in for a bit of cooling today, following a weekend which saw triple-digit temperatures across the state. Among the record daily highs on Sunday, Lancaster Airport hit a high of 110 degrees, breaking a more than 60-year-old record. Up north, the cities of Stockton and Sacramento also hit record highs for July 16th at 109. And although it didn't break the world record, Death Valley also broke its daily high yesterday, hitting a scorching 120. 28 degrees. Alicia Dempster was among the visitors. She and her sister traveled to the desert from Scotland. It's very hot. I mean, especially when there's a breeze, you would think that maybe that would give you some slight relief from the heat, but it just really does feel like an, an air full of blow dryers just going back in your face. We stopped at Walmart and brought a lot, a lot of water. Again, temperatures are expected to be a bit lower today, but some parts of the state are expecting another heat wave later this week. And Central and Southern California are still not in the clear. With heat warnings still in place today for much of those regions, officials are warning residents to stay cool and hydrated. For the state's 115,000 unsheltered homeless residents, that's easier said than done. KQED's Vanessa Rancaño reports from Fresno, where it hit 108 degrees this weekend. People living on the streets here stay cool any way they can. They know which restaurants will give out ice and let them enjoy a few minutes of AC. They douse themselves with water and seek shade in parks. 61-year-old Steve Speckman has another strategy. You ride the bus. A lot of bus drivers let you ride the bus over and over if you don't bother anybody. This weekend, he made it to a cooling center, though. But thank God we have this. I get real bad headaches from the heat. Once you get 60 years old, it's it's hard on you. Older adults and those experiencing homelessness are at higher risk for heat-related illness. But Priscilla Cappuccino, who's 54, prefers to stay outside with her chihuahua. Wait a Give me some water. Come on, Papa. Here. Under the shade of an overpass, she's trying to keep him cool. We're getting close to hell. I know that. Because it's so hot. It's so hot. And dreaming of an ocean breeze. But I'm going to move somewhere one of these days. Pismo, maybe, somewhere out there. Every day I can see the beach. Fresno is expecting triple-digit heat for at least another week. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño in Fresno. 
The hot weather also brought a number of wildfires across the state. The largest is south of Moreno Valley in Riverside County. The rabbit fire started Friday and has burned 7,600 acres, but is now 25% contained. The fire had threatened more than 100 homes, but many evacuation orders have been downgraded to warnings. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Now let's go up north, where construction crews are ahead of schedule on the demolition of the first of four dams on the Klamath River along the Oregon-California border. Jefferson Public Radio's Eric Newman reports. Standing on a red volcanic hillside above the Klamath River, you can hear excavators chipping away at what's left of the Copco No. 2 dam. It was the smallest of four hydroelectric dams that are being demolished on the Klamath River. The goal is to restore fish habitat that's been blocked for more than a century. Mark Bransom is the CEO of the Klamath River Renewal Corporation, the group in charge of the project. He says on June 1st, they turned off power and started demolition on the 35-foot-tall dam. From that point forward, uh, the Klamath River is flowing freely through the old dam site and uh, through Wards Canyon for the first time since Copco No. 2 was constructed in 1918. In January, water will be let out from the three reservoirs behind the other dams. Deconstruction of those dams is expected to start in June. For the California Report, I'm Eric Newman in Siskiyou County. Most small business owners in California support expanding benefits that help employees take care of their health and their family, like paid sick days. That's according to the results of a new opinion poll. KQED's labor correspondent Farida Chavala Romero reports. A bill that's now advancing in the state legislature would increase the number of paid sick days employers have to provide from at least three to seven per year. The survey of 400 small business owners found more than 8 in 10 would support that, even if they have to pay for it. Turns out, many small business owners are already providing more sick days than required by state law, says Bianca Blomquist. She's with the Small Business Majority, which released the poll results. If you have a very small workforce, you're not likely to want one of those employees, especially if they're a quarter of your workforce, to come into the workplace sick and get the rest of your staff sick. That's something that we saw throughout the pandemic. But the survey also found that most of these businesses say they struggle financially to cover the work of employees when they're out, especially during longer periods like maternity leave. Blomquist says the state should continue programs that help small business owners cover these costs. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. 
California's latest efforts to get college athletes paid is stalled in the legislature after pushback from universities. CalMatters reporter Ryan Loyola explains. So this bill would basically allow college athletes to get a share of the revenue that they create for their school. They would get up to $25,000 per year they played for a sport, all delivered to them once they graduate. Even though the bill passed the state assembly, it's since gotten a lot of pushback from the University of California, the California State University System, and Team USA. Right now, the revenue brought in by football and basketball often helps subsidize other lower revenue sports like swimming and volleyball. So opponents say that they worry that giving some of these funds away to individual students could mean less investments in programs outside of football and basketball, particularly women's sports. After this pushback, the bill's author has pulled it from consideration. Because of that, it won't be heard until at least 2024. That's CalMatters' Ryan Loyola. And that's the California Report for Monday, July 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Mavi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. And... Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.